The world is false. Life is destitute. Come, Kripalji. We wait for you. We wait for you. Oh, my giver, we are the sinners. Do not look through our papers. The boat is adrift. Take it across. Come, beloved, listen to the request. Listen to the request. True is your love. We have only your support. We are the dirty ones. Clean us, clean us. The soul has to do your darshan, but she is embarrassed. Oh, giver, you forgive. You are the forgiver. You are the forgiver. This is the call of a jabe. The heart string is resounding. The world is false. Life is destitute. Come, Kripalji. We wait for you. We wait for you. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 123. <laughs> Teri intazar hai, teri intazar hai, juta sansar hai, jinda gila chaar hai, Sade Kagazana fall away, Kagazana fall away. Mere Data Di Gunagara Sade Kagazana fall Kagazana polve, Vedi manjadarhe, Kara deo parhe, Aokira parji, Teri intazarhe, Teri intazarhe. Juta sansare, jinda gila Oh, 
ਤੇਰਾ ਪਿਆਰ ਹੈ ਤੇਰਾ ਇਆਦਾਰ ਹੈ ਆਓ ਕੇਰਾ ਪਾਲ ਜੀ ਤੇਰੀ ਇੰਤਜ਼ਾਰ ਹੈ ਤੇਰੀ ਇੰਤਜ਼ਾਰ ਹੈ ਜੂਤਾ ਸੰਸਾਰ bhajan is on page 129 oh foreigner mind listen do not be proud of your homeland by living in the other's country you have forgotten your own you never sat down and thought that this dream of the world is false 
Only our master, who has to take care of us, is true. From all this family and community, in the end there is no one who is yours. Even the beautiful body, about which you say, mine, mine, will become a heap of dust. Don't be proud of your efforts. The trap of the negative power is strong. He is eating the souls after roasting them, making them forget the true nam. He is involving them in rites and rituals. You will be saved from the fire of hell if you will keep your attention toward the master. Still you have time. Take refuge in the master. O mind, do not forget it. Meditate on Nam and take the prophet. O Ajayb, if you want to have all the happiness, obey the commandments of Kapal. O foreigner mind, listen. Do not be proud of your homeland. Kari na man vat na da Kari na man vat na da Man par de siya sun le Kari na man vat na da Kari na man vat na da Man
ਖਲ ਦਾ ਚਲਤਾ ਦਾਹੇ ਬੁਨ ਬੁਨ ਜੀਵਨ felt that this was extremely important uh, talk of Sanchi's and I certainly agree. So I will read this um, and we will see what, how much time there is afterwards. Um, but whoever does not get a chance to speak today and who wants to speak will certainly be able to next week. So we'll just see how it goes. The question that was asked, the answer, there was only one question, 
and uh, the answer took up the whole time. Uh, the question is a long one, as Sanji points out. Uh, one of the first thing he points out is the length of the question. But I think that um, despite that, it's important to hear it all, because he does comment on almost every part of it in the course of the talk. It was an important question, I think. Beloved Sanchi, from satsang and the sacred writings of the masters, we are told that master has two forms. He has the outer or physical form, and he has the inner or shabad form. The physical form must, in the will of God, obey the laws of nature in the physical plane, and he is not allowed to show miracles nor attract attention to himself by showing his true glory in an outer way. It seems that we, the dear ones, often present many questions to the master which are like personal problems or decisions which will determine the direction of our future. And we expect the outer master to provide a definite, clear, yes, no, do, don't type answer, which we then somehow understand as an order which we have to obey. But since this may not be the role which the outer master is supposed to perform, he may sometimes give a reply which puts the responsibility of that decision back on the shoulders of the dear one. He does not answer that question very clearly because he wants the disciples to learn to develop their own faculty of discrimination and other God-given resources which are already within us and which God has provided to us for finding our way through the challenges, difficulties, and decisions which life in this world constantly presents. Would Sanchi comment on which things the disciples should rely upon or request from the physical form of the master? What is the appropriate and respectful way to utilize the precious contact we have with his outer form? And which things are in the will of God for the outer master to perform for the disciples? And then, what are those things we should do for ourselves by relying upon his constant presence with us in his Shabbat form, and how we can develop and utilize those God-given faculties which are within us, and can guide us and help us find the way or the answers by our own discrimination and receptivity, rather than constantly putting all our outer-worldly questions and problems on the physical form of the Master. And Sanchi replies, the question is very good, and it can be very helpful to many dear ones. But whenever you put a question, you should try to make it brief, because the answers to the brief questions are understood in a much better way by most of the dear ones. Most of the things which the dear one has asked in this question are answered in the satsangs but we people do not pay any attention to the satsang. It is not that everybody does not pay attention. There are some people who pay a lot of attention to the satsang. But most of these things are always mentioned in the satsangs. What are our faults and what we should ask from the master and what we should not ask from the master. All these things are mentioned many times in the satsang. Often I advise the dear ones that when they subscribe to the magazine, 
and when they are getting it once a month, and you people spend a lot of money on buying the magazine. So when you get that magazine, you should read it thoroughly, because most of such questions are answered in the magazine. Many satsangs are published, and again, they are being published now. In many question and answer sessions, they're also published. So many of such things are often answered in the magazine. So if you would read the magazine thoroughly, you can get the answer to most of your questions. Now I would like to explain to you the answer to this question. In order to understand the answer to this question, we will have to go very deep, and we should understand this. Because some part of this question was asked by Baba Sawan Singh to Baba Jamal Singh. Master has given us the greatest gift of Nam, and he always encourages us outwardly through his outer form to do the meditation of the Nam. He encourages us not just by talking to us, but he himself sits in meditation and presenting a living example to us, he encourages us to do the meditation and also in his satsangs, whenever he talks to us, he tells us that we have to protect ourselves from lust, anger, greed, attachment and egoism, those five dacoits who are plundering our meditations, who are plundering our souls and who have made us spiritually bankrupt. He tells us all these things and he tells us how we have to keep our life pure and he tells us many other things outwardly through his outer form, those things which we should do in order to progress in meditation. Swamiji Maharaj also said that the Master has two forms. One is the outer, another is the inner. And what did he say to his Master? He said, Oh my Master, you show me your real form. Even though I love this outer form, but you show me your inner form also. Master Sawan Singh and Master Kripal Singh were the greatest souls of those who came into this world. But still, how much love they had for their Master and how hard they worked in order to give us the demonstration. And we know what they asked from their master, what questions they asked. So thinking and remembering what they did, we need to understand a lot. Most of the dear ones, whenever they get to see the inner form of the master, they misunderstand it and they think it is a dream which they have had of the master. But often I have said, dear ones, the vision of the master which you get is not a dream because we get the dreams only when our soul drops down from the eye center and goes into the lower organs of the body and then according to the thoughts of the past day we have the dreams. But the master is very pure and holy. He never goes below in the lower organs of the body because what is there in the organs of the body? It is only filled with dirt and the master never goes there. Whenever we have the vision of the master, which we often misunderstand as a dream of the master, what happens at that time, whenever our mind is quiet and peaceful, at that time master graciously lifts our soul up through his gracious and loving sight and with the hook of his love. And in that way he takes us into the higher planes and he blesses us with his inner form. But we people think that it was just like any other dream, and that is why we do not take advantage of it. Often you will find a lot of happiness and peace after you have had such a vision of the Master. 
The dear souls who get such a grace of the Master do not misunderstand it, and for many days they often remember that form of the Master which they have seen inside, and in that way, taking advantage of that remembrance of that form of the Master, they progress in meditation. Once, regarding the inner form of the Master, Baba Sawan Singh Ji asked Baba Jamal Singh, Master, sometimes Master comes within and says yes to something. He answers that question, but then it does not happen outwardly. Master does not shower his grace like that. What is the reason? So Baba Jamal Singh said that many times it happens that when the disciple is doing the meditation and the Master appears, at that time the disciple in all his excitement does not think about what he is asking from the Master. And whatever he asks, Master says, okay, that will be granted or you'll have this. But later on, when the Master sees that that thing will not be good for him, for his spiritual benefit, then the Master does not shower his grace. He does not give the thing which he has promised to him within. The dear ones who go within every day and connect themselves with the Almighty Lord every day, they, in fact, never ask the Master anything of a worldly nature because they know the reality. They have seen the reality, and that is why all the worldly things are of no use to them. So they do not present any worldly questions. They do not ask anything from the Master, because they are in constant connection with the Master within, because they go within every day. But those dear ones who sometimes go within, or if Master graciously pulls them up sometimes, then they present all these worldly questions and ask so many things of the Master. And when they get such answers, and when the thing which the Master has said does not happen outwardly, then they become confused. So the best thing is that the dear ones should go within every day, so that if there is any confusion the next day, they can clarify that with the Master. If the thing is not happening according to what the Master has said, then they themselves can go within and clarify with the Master the next day. Dear ones, the divas are very ignorant. They are more ignorant than a five-year-old child. You know that a five-year-old child is very ignorant. He does not know whether or not it is good for him to put his hand in the fire. But his parents are very wise, and they know that if he puts his hand in the fire, he will get burned. So that is why they always keep him away from the fire. And whenever he tries to put his hand in the fire, they tell him, no, it is not good for you. And they always stop him from doing that. But the child gets upset because he does not know why the parents are telling him not to do that. Similarly, suppose the child has a cold, he is coughing. The parents will not give him anything which will increase his cough. But he wants to eat the sour pickle, which will increase his cough. The parents say, no, you should not eat this. He does not understand that the parents are meaning well for him, and it is only for his health that they are not giving him the pickle. He does not understand, and he starts getting upset and throwing himself on the ground, etc. But the parents are wise, and that is why they do not give him the pickle. The same is our condition. We people do not know. We are very ignorant ones. We do not know what is good for us and what is bad for us. We see all the outer things in this physical world, all the material and everything in this world, and we always crave for those things. 
we do not know what things are good for us and what are not good for us. And that is why when we ask for all those things from the Master, he has to use his discrimination and he has to decide what things will be good for us. And when we do not get the things which we desire, then we get upset. But our Master is like that wise parent who knows what is good for us and what is not good for us. He does not give us the thing which will be harmful to us. We do not know what the Master wants to give to us and we do not know what he has for us. He wishes that while we are living, we should go within and we should go back to our real home. He wants us to sit on that throne which belongs to our Almighty Lord. He wants us to go back to our real home, but we people do not understand. And that is why we do not take any advantage of the forms of the Master. And instead of asking for the inner grace, we always go on asking outer things from the form of the Master. Many times I have told this story in satsang, and I will repeat it again. It's the story about a woodcutter. Once there was a king who had gone into the forest for hunting and he lost his way. He became very thirsty and this woodcutter was cutting wood in that forest and had some water with him. So the king who was very thirsty came there looking for water and the woodcutter gave him some water to drink. You know how much a thirsty man appreciates it when he is given water because he thinks that the one who has given him the water has saved his life. So the king was very pleased with that woodcutter and he said, I am a king and since you have saved my life, I will give you something very valuable. I give you this sandalwood garden so that you may live your life very comfortably. Now that woodcutter did not have any appreciation for the sandalwood. He did not know how valuable sandalwood is. He thought that the sandalwood was also like the other wood. So he started cutting down all the sandalwood trees and he would burn it and make it into charcoal and then sell it in the market. And in that way he continued earning his living as he had been doing before. After some time the king needed some sandalwood so he thought of sending his people to that woodcutter thinking that he might have a lot of sandalwood and he might be living his life very comfortably because sandalwood was very expensive. But when his people went there they were surprised to see that there was not a single sandalwood tree left. Everything was turned into charcoal. So they asked him if he had any piece of sandalwood. He said, no, I don't have anything. You see that I have cut down the whole garden of sandalwood trees and I have made it into charcoal and sold it. I don't have anything. But they wanted some piece of sandalwood, so they asked, isn't there anything left? He said, well, there is a small piece which I have made into the handle of my axe. So they bought that small piece of sandalwood from him and in return they gave him a lot of money. And when he realized that that small piece of sandalwood was worth that much, he felt terrible. And then he realized that he had not appreciated the sandalwood which he had been given. He had not even appreciated the fragrance of the sandalwood, but had cut down all the sandalwood trees. And he felt so depressed and sad about what he had done that he left his body right there in that state of depression. This is just a story. The reality is, what is the sandalwood tree which God Almighty has given to us? Master has given us the greatest gift of Nam, which is the sandalwood garden. But we people do not appreciate the fragrance of the sandalwood. 
What is the fragrance of the sandalwood? The presence of the living master is the fragrance of the sandalwood, which inspires us to go within and see that sandalwood tree, see that reality which God Almighty has placed within us. But we people do not appreciate the fragrance. We do not appreciate the gift of God, which is the nam, which God Almighty has given to us. And that is why we go on wasting the gift of nam. We go on wasting this precious breath which God Almighty has given us in doing all the worldly things. We always go on indulging in the worldly things, and in the end, what happens? Like that woodcutter, we leave this body, we leave this world without doing anything. But the master who has given us initiation is not careless. He always looks after our soul, even if he leaves the physical body and goes back to his real home, Satchkant. He always thinks about our welfare, our betterment, and he always tries to think of one way or another through which he can help us. So in his many ways, he again encourages us. He inspires us to do the meditation of Nam, and somehow he makes us meditate on the Nam. And afterwards, when we leave the body and our master takes us up, and makes us sit on that throne which is in such kind. And when he rewards us for that little bit of meditation which we may have done, then we come to realize that if the meditation was so valuable, why didn't we do it with our every single breath? And then our condition becomes like that of the woodcutter. We feel depressed and disappointed, and we regret that we didn't take advantage of the precious time which God Almighty had given to us and we didn't do the meditation. But the master who has given us initiation is never careless. Whatever meditation we do, he always rewards us for that. But if we had appreciated him earlier, we would have spent all our time doing the meditation and going within, and we would not have wasted any time asking him the outer questions. What should we ask of the outer form of the master, and what are the things in which we should rely on the outer form of the master? It is true that God Almighty has given us this faculty of discrimination, and there are many things which we have to decide ourselves, and the masters also tell us to use our discrimination and make decisions ourselves. But the ways of the master are very unique. You know that through the satsangs, they touch upon almost all the things which happen in our life, and they answer almost all the questions. Many times they go into deep detail in answering our worldly questions, but also, since the masters do not interfere in our worldly lives, they leave many things for us to determine and many decisions for us to make. Dear ones, the mission of any perfect master is not dependent on any Vedas or Shastras or upon any holy scriptures. The mission of the perfect saint is dependent upon the Nam only, upon God Almighty and upon the master who has given them this work of giving Nam initiation. Even then, the masters quote from the writings of the past Mahatmas only to make us understand that they are not telling us anything new so that we may not feel that the masters are saying anything different from what the other masters have said. They tell us, we are not saying anything new to you. All these things were said earlier also by the past masters. 
Often I have said that Master Sawan Singhji used to tell the dear ones in the Sangha that those who come to the Masters expecting the Master to cure them of their illness or help them win some lawsuit or sort out the problems in their home, those who come to the Master expecting all these worldly things should not bother coming to the satsang because what can such people gain from Sant Many people who used to go within in the time of Baba Sawan Singh know very well how many years earlier Master Sawan Singh had to leave this world only because he was burdened with all the problems of all the dear ones. Similarly, those who used to go within also know how many years earlier Master Kripal Singh left the body and how much he had to suffer physically. He also had to undergo an operation and many other difficulties, and he also left earlier. We people do not understand this, and still we go on burdening the physical form of the Master with all our problems and outer things. This does not mean that if we are not opening up our heart in front of the Master, if we are not telling him about our pains and problems, he will not help us. It is not like that. If we are doing our bhajan and simran, whatever amount is feasible, he helps us in that way, and wherever we need the help of the Master, he extends his feasible help to us. If a bad person goes to prison because of doing something bad, and if he continues to be a bad person and also creates troubles in the prison, then what would the authorities there do? They would make his imprisonment even stronger. They would put him in a stronger room. And also he would not be looked upon as a good person and it is possible that his sentence might be increased. But the other person who is not a bad person but somehow had to go to prison because something went wrong, if he lives according to the laws, the rules, and regulations of the prison and does not create any problems there, then the authorities have mercy upon him and it is possible that they may reduce the sentence which he has to suffer there. Is he, the one in whose remembrance we are sitting, not looking at us? Whenever we are sitting in his remembrance, he is always looking at us. But we people, because we are involved in our ego, Whenever anything good happens, we say that we have done it. And whenever anything goes bad, we blame it on the Master. But the Master who is sitting within us, and who's in whose remembrance we are sitting, he knows about everything, and he is constantly watching us. Guru Nanak Sahib says, even without your asking, he knows everything about you. Then to whom are you making the prayers? But regarding those who go within, Guru Nanak Sahib says that such people say, O Lord, to ask anything except you is like asking for more suffering. Kindly give us nam, which would give us more contentment, and the hunger of our mind would be satiated. In his vars, Bhai Gurdas has written that even the tree under which the Master sits becomes so pleased and so blessed that it gets liberation from that body of a tree. And even if a ghost has the darshan of the master in his astral form, he becomes free from that body. And even the stones get liberation. What is difficult for a man to get liberation? He who goes into the refuge of the master. But if we have faith, if we have constant faith and love for the master, only then can we get liberation.
The diva does not know whether the worldly thing he is asking from the master is good for him or bad for him. The saints come into this world to liberate us. We are the ones who are involved in the worldly things, and they have come into the world to liberate us. If we are asking from them the worldly things, then? So Guru Nanak Sahib asked from his master the Nam. He said, O oh, Master, give me the Nam, which will give me contentment so that the hunger of my mind may be fulfilled. He said, O oh, Lord, if you want to give me anything, give me Nam. You know that Master Kripal had the gift of being all conscious right from his childhood, but he never used that. And when he went to his master, what did he ask from his master? He said, Master, give me only respectful love for you. Because he knew that he was a great power. He was God. And he knew what to ask from God, what to ask from the perfect master. That is why he asked only for respectful love for the master. Those who go within in the higher planes and have seen the glory of the master within, only they are the ones who have real love and appreciation for the Master, and only they know what they should ask from the Master. Master Kripal Singh Ji used to say that during the end time of Master Sawan Singh, when people were making all the prayers, at that time Master Sawan Singh said, if you want me to remain here and do more savor for you, then kindly do not write me letters with worldly problems. If you want, you can write me letters about Bhajan and Simran, about meditation, but do not burden me with all your worldly problems because you have already burdened me a lot, and now you know that I have become old, and before putting any more burden on me, at least you should think and consider that I have become older. Hazrat Bahu said that the heart of the lover of God is as soft as wax, and the hearts of the worldly lovers are black. He said, you know that whenever we ask anything from the master, his heart is like wax, and it melts easily, and he is affected. And Master Kripal Singh Ji used to say that most of the things that we ask of the master are those things which, if we get them, we can never progress on the spiritual path. All the worldly things which we are asking from the master will not help us. In fact, they will become obstacles on our spiritual path, and that is why Master does not give us that. Master does only that thing which he should be doing. Master Kripal Singh Ji used to say that if the perfect Master always goes on granting the wishes and desires of the disciples, even if they come millions of times in this world, and even if they give millions of human births to the disciples, still they cannot take them in. They cannot take the disciples within, back to the real home, because of the desires and the wishes of the disciples. So that is why he always grants only that wish of the disciple which is helpful for his spiritual growth. But most of the things that we ask of the worldly nature are such which will not help us, but will create an obstacle in our spiritual path. Master used to say that at the time of initiation, 
the perfect masters make such an arrangement within the disciple that on one side they go on paying off the karma which they have to pay and on the other side they go on progressing spiritually. The precious time which we get with the master in the interviews, we should take advantage of it. It is not that everybody is like that. There are many dear ones who understand the value of it and do not ask any worldly questions. But most of the dear ones, when they come in the interview, always talk about their worldly things. Master Salen Singh was very strict. He said, I will not answer any questions, any letter which has worldly problems in it. I will only answer questions regarding Bhajan and Simran. Master Kripal Singh Ji also did the same thing. And I also made this request in front of all the dear ones in the Sangat that they should write me questions only about Bhajan and Simran. If they will ask me anything of the worldly nature, I will not answer their letters. If you want to write letters to the Master, it should be only about spiritual matters. You should not write about any worldly problems. You should only ask about Bhajan and Simran and spiritual matters. In the same way, if you are coming for an interview, you should take advantage of that precious time. It will be beneficial for you if you will not ask any worldly things in your interview. Saints do not interfere in the worldly lives of their disciples, and they do not impose any of their ideas on their disciples as far as worldly matters go. They have left the disciple free. Whatever they want, they can do it. But they do tell us that if you will do the bhajan and simran, your soul will get strength. And whatever you have to face according to the karmas of the past, if you are doing bhajan and simran, your soul will get strength. And you will get the strength to bear the consequences, to suffer the consequences of what you have done in the past. And they always tell us that we should try to minimize in creating more karmas and whatever we have to pay off from the past, we should do it happily. Well, if I want, I could go on talking on this subject for many days, and still it would not be enough. Since the time is up, I hope that whatever little I have said, you will understand this and you will live up to it. If the satsangis would do their bhajan and simran, the mind would not create any questions in them. What happens? Our mind creates questions because we do not do the meditation and we want our master to answer those questions. Are we doing the devotion of the mind or are we doing the devotion of the master? Why not do the meditation so that we may become free from all these thoughts, these questions and fantasies created by the mind which are bothering us? Dear ones, we have made our mind our owner, our everything. And instead of obeying the commandments of the Master, we ask our Master to obey us. Master gives us the great gift of Nam, and he has taken our responsibility on his shoulders. He takes us to our real home and makes us speak in front of the Almighty Lord. And whatever mistakes we have made in the past, he forgives us for that, and he always takes care of our soul. There is no doubt about this fact. Even now, many people who are initiated by Master say how the Masters came and took care of their souls. Even after going back to Sachkant, his real home, 
our beloved master is still looking after our soul and he is always protecting us. I think that this is something we will want to contemplate on in study over a period of time since it covers an enormous amount of ground and perhaps next week if, if um, I have time I will comment a little bit on some aspects of it it pretty much speaks for itself but I think it's easy to forget many of the things that are in there because other things may uh, drown them out temporarily so it takes a lot of of study obviously the the writing of Master Kripal that jumps to mind in this connection is the section the five circulars actually called How to Develop Receptivity which were written between 1969 and 1973 and which are the next to last chapter in the book The Way of the Saints and uh, a great deal of what Sanchi says here is can also be found there and some of what he says here is explained there and some of what he says here is very helpful to understanding that also so they work together very well I think that uh, it is when the master speaks this way it is incumbent on all of us to assume that he means it and at the very least the practice of using him to decide what he calls our worldly problems which the term that he uses is very specific it means the problems which relate to this world um, that we should take very seriously his request for us not to do that and uh, in interviews, in letters, and even, as he says, when we go within. I hope that we will take the request very seriously and recognize that with the request is a promise that that which we really need, we will be given. Anyway, um, several of the people who were there um, I don't know how much time we'll have and how it will go, but if uh, if Catherine is here, would she can say a few words.
It's really hard to know what to say after hearing that talk again. That talk's been with me the whole trip. It was on the third day that Sanchi gave the talk. I guess part of the school teacher in me wants to go over the main points. <laughs> um, I hope you don't mind me doing that, but I know when I first heard the talk, I thought, oh, it's just the second part that was really important. He didn't say much in the first talk, and I didn't really pay attention to the question. But as I was listening to the talk during the stay, I listened to it a few times and read it over a few times. It kept hitting me, as Russell said, how, how packed it is and how much the Master says in it, how easy it is for each one of us to say, oh, yeah, yeah, we've heard it again, or not really understand. As he says, one powerful thing, it's replaced by the next powerful thing. and Our mind just tries to wipe out all the important points as soon as it hears it. The part that really hit me strongly and that I really want to remember, I'm going to have to read it over. I'm really, I really hope it is printed in the magazine so that we can all have it to study. We do not know what the Master wants to give us, and we do not know that he has, what he has for us. He wants that while we are living, we should go within and we should go back to our real home. He wants us to sit on that throne, which belongs to our Almighty Lord, and he wants us to go back to our real home. But we people do not know, and that is why we do not take any advantage of the forms of the Master. And instead of asking for the inner grace, we always go on asking for the outer things from the form of the Master. Just like in the talk, he repeated things. He would say the same thing in, in successive sentences. During the trip, he kept repeating parts of this talk. And he kept repeating about how he wants us to sit on that throne, how he wants to take us in. And that, that just is so incredible. The sandalwood story I've heard several times, and I've never quite heard it the same way as he said it this time. This is just a story. The reality is that what is a sandalwood tree, which God Almighty has given to us? Master has given us the greatest gift of Nam, which is the sandalwood garden. But we people do not appreciate the fragrance of the sandalwood. What is the fragrance of the sandalwood? The presence of the living master is the fragrance of the sandalwood, which inspires us to go within and see that the sandalwood tree, see that reality that which God Almighty has placed within us. But we people do not appreciate the fragrance. We people do not appreciate the gift of God, which is the nam which God has given to us. And that is why we go on wasting the gift of nam. We go on wasting this precious breath which God Almighty has given in doing all the, the worldly things. And this was something, that part of the talk, the presence of the living master is the fragrance of the sandalwood. And how when we ask the worldly questions, we're not truly appreciating that gift. And how he, he said, if we want him to be here, if we want that physical presence of the master to be here with us, how we shouldn't go on asking the worldly questions. And as Russell also pointed out at the end, this, 
this was so important, is he the one in whose remembrance we are sitting, not looking at us? Whenever we are sitting in his remembrance, he is always looking at us. I know I, I always underestimate the power of the master and the presence of the master. And I really, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a small person. How, how is he to know what I want? And I feel that when I'm sitting in meditation, I've got to say over and over again, I've got to tell him all the things I want and all the things I need and all the things that are important. But it, it was much more clear this time than before that not only does he know what we need and what we want, he knows our every thought before we even think it. And there were several of us that were talking about this during the stay, that where he would, we'd ask for something very briefly, like wanting to be a certain place in, the, in a line or a certain place. I mean, just silly little things. And he'd give them to us. And, I mean, if, if he can give us such trivial things, imagine what would happen when we ask for the the true things that he wants us to ask for. He also said at the very end, I hope that whatever little I have said, you will understand this and you will live up to it. Um, that was also repeated a few times about listening, not just listening to what he's saying, but to, to really to live up to it. And are we doing the devotion of the mind? Or are we doing the devotion of the master? Dear ones, we have made our mind our owner, our everything. And instead of obeying the commandments of the master, we ask our master to obey us. And that part's very humbling. When we, when we are supposedly doing our meditation and are asking him all the questions, it's that we want him to do what we want him to do. We're not willing to let him do what he knows we need. This, the trip in general for me um, was very different from anything I'd experienced before. The last trip when I went to India, I felt that it was, we were all really swimming in his love and it was a time of great highs and great lows. This trip seemed to be more about empowerment, about each one of us standing on our own feet not just standing on our own feet, actually learning how to walk. And he seemed to be giving that to us every day. He would just be repeating the same things. Uh, and just like this, this talk seemed to touch on many of the major teachings of the path. Every day he seemed to talk about a different thing and, and repeat that for us. Um, the, after the first bhajan session, He gave a short talk about how our mother and our brothers and our wives and our husbands only love our body and our wealth, but it is only the perfect master that loves our soul. And he loves our soul selflessly. It, there's nothing that we have to do to, to earn the love that the master has to give us. And so that he was saying that if we were able to develop that selfless love for the master, that our our meditations would become effortless. I, I don't have the exact quotes on this, but... And that's what he means by doing med not thinking of meditation as a burden. Uh, if, that if we sit with selfless love, we're not asking anything of the Master. We're just doing his devotion and sitting patiently at the door. And as he said in that other talk, 
whenever we put our attention towards him, he's right there with us. He also repeated many times about asking for grace and mercy, about doing our bhajan and simran. And in one of the other talks he gave, uh, he really emphasized that criticism is the greatest sin. Criticism is the greatest impediment to our inner progress. And it's not just what surprised me about this time when I heard him talk about that was that it wasn't just the, the regular things that we think of as criticism, but it's also envy and jealousy, that that's just as much criticism. Uh, being envious of something a brother or sister has or being jealous of something can be just as harmful as, as direct, directly criticizing. Along with the sense of being empowered to do the work that was a sense of, I guess this is what was hard for several of us, was there was such a sense of calmness and peace um, that several of us were sure we were missing something. I know most of the trip I thought I'd, I wasn't really there because I, I wasn't feeling the dreadful highs or the ecstatic, I mean, the dreadful highs or the ecstatic lows are also... <laughs> See how our mind... Our mind... I mean, my mind is so stuck. I guess this is part of the heritage of being from the 60s, that we're all after the peak experiences. And when we don't receive those peaks, we feel there's something wrong. And I just... I, I'd never felt that peaceful calm and detachment that he gave me while I was there, especially the first few days. And it was like he was giving us a safe and snug harbor apart from the raging sea of the world. And I used to think that the, one of the purposes in coming to the ashram was to gain that respite from the storm. And I've been told not to leave the master at the ashram by a, a dear one one other trip. But that's the, that peaceful harbor is what he wants us to take with him, I think. And definitely that's what I need to have with me, is to realize that if, if, if I'm willing to put more attention into the bhajan and simran, that that harbor is there with me all the time, that storms can be raging about me, but I don't have to take part in them. I can, I can be separate from them. That, that is, that's the protection, that's the ex-protection that I need from the outside world and just have not been able to produce it on my own. I'm very sensitive to the outer environment. And as a child, I, I developed concrete walls to protect me from that. And although it kept the outside in, it also kept me out from myself. And it also kept me separate from whatever love was there. So when those walls came down, there was nothing that I had to protect me. And that's why I keep getting blown and buffeted about. But that's what the Master wants to give each one of us. If, if we can do his work, if we can just put more attention into doing the bhajan and the simran, that he does, he does give us the strength to handle what we need to.
although although he's not strong he does appear to be healthier than he was in, in some of the earlier groups he was able to do the whole program and although I had a sense that his power and majesty are without limits there are definitely limits on his physical body his voice was very quiet and sometimes at the beginning of the talks it wasn't clear if he was going to be able to have this strength in his voice to continue but he was always able to, to do all that was necessary. In something separate that happened, I also became overwhelmed and very humbled by the power of my seemingly small stray thoughts. And I became very frightened about how readily we can manifest things just by our thoughts, either our thoughts about others or our thoughts about situations. And, and I can't say anything more clearly about that right now. There was another very important question and answer session. Uh, all the questions were taken ahead of time and then Sanchi chose what he was going to answer. Um, a very important question and answer session was all about parenting and how our children will become as we are and that we are responsible for the way our children turn out. And our first responsibility is to set a good example. Uh, I don't know, maybe someone else will be able to comment more on that. And at the end of the talk, Sanchi said that, Master Kripal said that this is not the path of the cowards. It is the path of the warriors. This is not a good direct quote. It is the path of self-improvement. You know that the meditation is the battlefield, and that in the battlefield the cowards do not win any battles. It is the warriors who are brave, who arm themselves with the weapons of Simran and Bhajan, but also you are not alone in the battle. He wanted to make this very clear that although we're in the battle, we are not alone and that we constantly have the loving hand of the master on our head to support us in our struggles. He also again emphasized the importance of the bhajans and that we should put as much attention into understanding the bhajans as we do into understanding the satsangs. The other thing he said at a later satsang, the final satsang, was echoing something he had said in, in the talk that, that Russell read, that even when the master speaks casually, anything the master says, you should take that as a direct order. And he, he talked more about the difference between manmuks and gurumuks and told again this, and, uh, story about the swans and the cranes 
and how manmukh schedule the time for their practices and are always interrupted by worldly affairs. But the gurumukhs don't schedule any time. They are always doing the devotion. Well, truly, the heartstring is resounding. It is begging for their forgiveness. And at the same time, it is shouting of the glories of the Sadhguru. When we come and stand in front of that light, all of our faults and wrongdoings become exposed. We become so stark naked and ashamed but we can't hide. To be with him is to move our attention away from our personal worldly dross and focus on his radiance in all of the myriad ways he allows us. When we come before him, if we reflect his pure light by singing songs of love to him, then the great soul smiles and there is no painful frown as when we bring the stories of our papers to him. In one of the satsangs, Sanchi actually said the word God. If, I had ever, if he had ever said the word before, it had never registered on me. And in that moment of his saying that word God, Suddenly the whole universe snapped into focus and it seemed as though I were beholding the being supreme. When you see him like that, even for an instant, all that needs to be overcome seems so small. That which needs to be done seems so simple and the goal seems so close and attainable. Truly Sanchi is telling us the non-stop story of God which is a direct reference which he made in one of Guru Arjan Dev's stories in which he said that the knowledge of the essence of God can only be attained at the feet of a perfect master and by doing the meditation of Nam. Every morning and afternoon he would put us into meditation by saying with a quiet mind close your eyes and do the meditation. And in this simplicity, there exists a key to the door within. Finding the quiet mind is the whole and sole purpose of everything in the program. Throughout all the activities of the day are the things needed to accomplish this task. Time is chained only by the sound of a bell. 
food is served directly with his gaze. Everything in the program there is custom tailored to stroke the mind into this quiescence. All things of the lower chakras are portrayed as they are in filth. Our shoes are left outside. The sattvic food is prepared with double simran. The birds only come when he calls them. The incense floats sweetly on the air over his turban. You can ride on these currents of love alone, carrying very little cargo and thereby very little exchange with the other ships of the harbor. And he takes the boat across. Take it across, dear master. And the five names resounding twice a day from his divine lips. Nineteen times he uttered the holy Simran. I was initiated on the nineteenth. Even the little, little, little things strike the consciousness as when the leaf fell from the tree and struck the microphone. It sounded like a tree had fallen. So in that black cotton muffler, we sweetly repeat those five holy words. And in this simplicity, we are given infinite accomplishments. The poor, worryless one, the fakir, who with rudimentary literacy and absolutely no apparent outer credentials, has swept up into his huge arms all the loving, yearning souls initiated by many, many Mahatmas of the past, from Sawan, Kirpal, Baba Somanath, Mastanaji, even an obscure saint from Jalandhar, Muktananda. And in this great unity, he is teaching us the non-stop story of God. Equality, we are all the same in his eyes. Discipline, the line we must learn to draw and walk upon between the inner and the outer, between the true and the false. We walk it until we become disciples. That is the discipline. Like the ladder, the steps are there, but we must pull ourselves up. And, that become, and when that becomes difficult, our prayers are for Him alone. Cooperation. So we don't find ourselves pacing around a big fire in the forest waiting for a thief to trade places with. And lastly, we see all our worldly problems as great treasures. We embrace our pains as his prashad and treat them as the medicine we so desperately need. We see our outer problems which we would so itchingly like to spread before him. We see them as the very solutions which we need to correct the real problems within ourselves. And when we come before him in our interviews, we not only don't bring to him talk of the worldly things, we don't even bring him traces of these things in our hearts, because it is not only our papers which he sees, but it is our hearts which he reads. And when we carry in our hearts even the slightest worldly thing, 
He bends down and touches it and purifies our heart. Baba Somnath once told me, love the Master with every breath. This is an, a quote from something Sanchi said in my interview. All the saints are one. Only those people who do not go within say the saints are different people. But in fact, all the saints are one and the same because they come from the same place and they have the same power working within them. You know it is only because of the efforts of the dear ones of Baba Somanath that we have such programs in south of India. And you know how in his name so many souls come and they get the benefit. The people over there are very innocent. They are very devoted and very loving. And they don't see any difference between Master Kapal Singh, Baba Somanath. And they don't see any difference in me also. And that is why, because in their innocence and the purity, still the same amount of grace is being showered upon them now as it used to be in the time of Baba Somanath. Even while sitting in Sachkhand, Baba Somanath has showered so much grace upon the dear ones, and through this poor fakir, he is looking after them. And then he said this of Master Kripal. When I saw Master Kripal for the first time, and when I sang that bhajan in which I had said that he is the one who has controlled the greed, and he is the star, he is that star which does not have any outer shining from the outside, but who gives the light to everyone in this world. Because he was not controlled by the passions, and he was such a star who shone on this world, outwardly he did not have any radiance but he gave the light to everyone in this whole creation, to every soul. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, both of you. And the other dear ones who want to speak from the script will be able to next Sunday. So we should plan on that. Our closing bhajan is on page 49. Oh, Satguruji, hear our plea and give us your darshan. We have come to your door. Listen to our voice. This world in which Kal has trapped us is alien. We have put our attention in this. Our time is too short. The whole world is false. All the dealings are false. Your nam, which is true, we have forgotten. Everywhere it is darkness. Please come again. We are wandering here and there. Hear our voice. Beloved true Kripal, 
I sacrifice myself on you. Release our soul from the cage of cow. The jade makes this request. He meditates on the nam of Kripal. May we always remember your feet. O oh, Satguruji, hear our plea and give us your darshan. Page 49. Satguruji darshadikao Sunke faryad sadi Satguru ji tarj dikao Sun ke faryad saadi Satguru ji tarj dikao Sun ke faryad saadi Satguru ji tarj dikao Thank you. 